Baptist Church has written a new book called The Outsiders, and uh, it's about 15 different men that gave their lives for the ministry of the gospel, and uh, many of those uh, died a martyr's death. Some of them were burned at the stake, and others were uh, killed in other ways, but uh, it was uh, interesting to me to read, and, and there was a group of believers called the Waldensians that um, were hated by the government church, and they uh, had to meet in caves, and, and there are, those caves are still there. And I, I don't know why that one affected me the way that it did, but it, it did. And they had, a, they had a Bible college, and those students would come up and sit in those caves, and they were hollowed out, and they were large enough to hold a number of those guys that would go in in, the, in that Bible college that you might call today, but nothing like the Bible college of today, I'm probably sad to say, but they uh, would go in, and they would uh, be taught the Scripture, and they'd learn the Scripture, and then they would go out, and they would go out from that, that school with the knowledge that most of them were probably going to die for their faith. And amazing to me to uh, see the faith of, of those men. And I um, was just reading in, in the last part of the book of Acts in my devotions and, and the willingness of Paul to die for his faith. And uh, we, you know, we, we, have, we have lived comfortably in, in this country I'm 51 years old, and, and my life has been pretty comfortable the, the whole time I've been alive. And I grew up in, I guess you would call it a middle class. My, my dad worked hard in a factory, and, and my mom ended up getting a job and, and working also. And my grandma and my grandfather lived with us, and so I was always around family. And, but uh, I can just tell, you know, we, typical family, we'd take a vacation in the summer and, and enjoy that. And, and uh, love the the freedoms that we have, and and uh, truly we we did have more freedom then than we do today. And our government continues to have this idea that they need to be there to uh, protect us, and by protecting us, more or less running our lives. And and that that isn't the purpose of our government. <clears throat> and we we have lost sight of that, and Christians have lost sight of that, and thinking that it's the government's job to provide those things for us, and, and the government honestly needs to get out of the way. <clears throat> and we need to get back to being the kind of families that we need to be, and moms and dads, you need to be a mom and dad. You need to love each other. You need to love your husband, and you need to support him. You need to be a helpmeet, and you, you need to respect your husband for the position that he's in as a, as a leader of the home. And, and husbands, you need to Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And you, you need to treat her like the weaker vessel that she is. And, and ladies, get over it. You are a weaker vessel in some areas of your life. And you're never going to become a man, no matter how many steroids you want to take and how many hormones you want to take, you're still going to have the chromosome that makes you a woman. So be a woman. Be a lady. Be, be the kind of lady that's honoring to God. And men, be the kind of men that are that are honoring to God and, and be a family that, that raises your children. We don't need some three-year-old uh, uh, daycare or three-year-old uh, 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 preschool and four-year-old preschool and all-day kindergarten so that the government can, can continue to raise your children and then you, you watch them become a teen and then you watch them become a young adult and you think, what did I do? Well, you didn't do anything. That's the problem. And that's where our country is failing. And our country is, is losing who we are as a, as a Christian nation. It was the Christian families that, that made us so strong and, and, and that loved each other and served God. And, and things were shut down on Sunday because it was God's day and wasn't a day for everything else in, under the sun that is out there today. It was God's day. We need to give it back to Him and we need to get back to that and and we need to make this a strong country for God. Well, it starts with us. And 
And we don't, and, uh, don't want to give up that. We don't want to give up the freedoms that we have to be that Christian nation. And you ought to be willing to fight for it and fight to keep that and fight to keep the First Amendment rights that we have to, to speak our mind and, uh, and more so to, to speak what God's Word has to say and stand according to the truth of God's Word and, and be able to do so and, and not be concerned about the government trying to come in and tell us what we can say. Look, that's what the Church of England was. That's why we got out of there. And that's why so many lost their lives for us to have the freedoms that we have. There are men and women who are sitting in this congregation today that have served in our military to protect that right. They, fortunately, are here, but they have seen many of their friends and other family die giving us the rights that we have today to to preach the Word of God. And I'm not going to spit on that. We fight for that. And so as our politicians, and I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, I can't hardly stand any of them, but I want to be a follower of God, and I want to be a patriot for what this country has been. We need to stand for that, and we need to be willing to fight for that, or otherwise we give it up. And I think too many Christians have followed the ways of the world and and like the ideas of what the world has, and and let that infiltrate into our church body, and, and we've, we've lost our identity. And our churches have lost their identity because, this isn't my message either, you just hang with me, all right? But our churches have lost their identity because they have no borders any longer. We have no wall of defense to where everybody comes, and, and we do, we welcome anyone to come, But you are not here to change us. You are here to understand that we as a body of believers are here to serve God and to serve God God's way. And according to the Scripture, that is what we're going to do. And as you come, you see that we are here to worship. We are here to praise Him. We are here to bring honor and glory to Him. We are here to to give Him all the praise. We are not here to stand up here and and perform like some some rock star. I'm not here to dress up like Mick Jagger and, and let you treat me like I'm some rock star. That's not at all what this is about. It's not about me, and it's not about those who sing, and it's not about those that, that want to be in front of the crowd. It's about kneeling, whether it with our knees or whether it with our heart, to the God of all gods, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, the only God that truly is. And we give him the honor and the glory, but we have broken those borders down and we allow the world to come in. And, and, and like I said, we want to witness to the world. We're, we're all about that, but we do not change who we are for the world, but our churches have. Because we knock the borders down and we allow that, and then pretty soon our churches don't look any different than, than you know, Maybell's, you know, country club or whatever. And it's the same way with our country. You know, our, our, our politicians today are, you know what they're all they're doing? If any of you have read anything on prophecy, and by knocking the borders down and, and losing our identity as a Christian nation and, and losing our identity of, of the religion that we have, do you not understand that all that does is make it easier for the one world religion to come in? And do you know what God called that one world religion? The great harlot. He wasn't happy with that at all. And whenever we think that, that we can come in here and even our local politicians that, that say that we can come in here and hold hands with religions that want to come in here and dominate our country and rob us of our identity of being a Christian nation, they have lost their blooming minds. And whenever we think that we can tear our borders down from our country and allow anybody to come in and look, people can say all they want to, this is not a racist statement, but 
but and and I have all kinds of friends that are of all kinds of cultures, but you need to come in here legally. And you need to come in here the right way. And and you guys can get over this and you can get mad at me all you want. This is not about a Mexican issue. Most of those that are coming across the border now, 90% of those are not of the Latino descent. Most of those are infiltrating that are going to come in with a wicked, vile religion that follows Satan, whether they want to call him that or not. You can call him Allah. You can call him Buddha. You can call him the the Jehovah's Witness God. You can call him the Mormon's God. I don't care what any of those guys are, but they are following a God that's a God of this world, and it's not the God of heaven. And it's going to destroy our country. And our politicians are doing that while it's time that that our churches get back to doing what they used to do, standing for the truth, and not only being a a, a Bible believer, Christ follower, but also being a patriot of their country. Stand for the country. You go into some church somewhere and some pacifist gets up and says to to drop all of your firearms and sing kumbaya with all of those other religions and let's all get along, you need to get up and you need to run just as fast as you can before lightning burns the place to to the ground. And look for the fire and brimstone as you go out the door. Our, Our country is a mess. Our churches are a mess today. We need people that are going to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord, and this is what we're going to do. And if it offends people, well, so be it. You know, you already offended Snowflake, so move on. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) but we fight for the freedom. We fight for the freedoms that we have. I, I truly do feel bad for those kids, like I said a few weeks ago, that have never had the freedom of riding in the back of a pickup truck and eating a bug at 60 miles an hour. Yeah. I feel bad for that kid that hasn't had that, you know, but, but anyway, we uh, moving on. And so as we go back to Galatians, and we're going to finish the book today, I titled this, and, and it's a, I think it's appropriate how God has brought this to where this is the ending of this, but this book I had, had titled it, A Declaration of Freedom. I mean, there were those that had infiltrated into the church of the world and we're teaching a false doctrine and a false gospel and saying that you had to be working for your salvation and these are the things that you must do. And they had given this big list of things that you must do to be saved, but I don't. And so we've made this list of those things that you have done and they have, they have tried to rob you of the liberty and of the freedoms that God has given you through Jesus Christ and trying to bring you back under bondage. Same thing that we see the battle going on in our country today. It's the same thing that comes into churches today too. And we have to guard against that kind of a false teaching. Well, we we see through this entire book that fight for our freedom. And we saw how Satan attacked Paul and slandered him and and, and brought about all kinds of false accusations. And and we see how Paul comes in and, and gives us a a treatise on, on our salvation and how it's by grace and, 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 and only through grace. And then we saw how now in the last two chapters of how we ought to be behaving as believers today. And, and so that's what we're ending up with here at the end. We're finishing this up and, and we see that one of the mentalities that, that we need to have. And, and here we saw the, the freedom that we have in Christ starts in chapter 5, goes through the end of chapter 6. And, and we saw that the freedom from sin, we have the freedom to serve. And in freedom of serving, we see in the first few verses of chapter 6, the, to bear one another's burdens and help each other out. And, and, but then also to be careful what we sow and let us make sure that our priorities are on God, that our priorities are on the things that, that matter for eternity and, and taking care of that which is, that, that which is important to us and, and truly ought to be the most important to us, those things that reap eternal benefits. And now we see that if we're going to boast, then let's boast in the cross. You know, I, and I understand that in, in politics, I guess you have to, tell people what you're going to do, but 
it, it just seems so braggadocious to me. How they say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. No, you're not. If you get 10% done of what you say, you think you're successful. And God even told us in James, you don't need to be boasting about anything in this life because your life is a vapor and you don't even know if you'll be alive tomorrow or not. And so only if God wills do we do these things. And so he shows us in these last few verses then, he's showing us that he said, in, in, in words, what we've seen is he, he's reminding us, he says, look, you guys need to understand that you have been saved by faith in the grace of God in what he did for you by dying on that cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day, showing us that he's God himself. And in all of that was the display of love and that whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. And so your salvation is based totally on what he has done. But you need to realize that there have been those that have crept in and tried to teach you something opposite of what this is. And you need to fight for the freedoms that you have in Christ and don't go back to those things. And, and, and you need to understand that, that you are weak in yourself and that here they are, they're boasting of their, their religiosity. They are boasting in their works. They're boasting in their, their prideful arrogance. But you need to understand that the only thing that you ought to be able to boast in is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's for all of us. All of us. So that's what we see. Boast only in the cross. He writes in verse 11, he says, You see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. You go into 2 Corinthians and you find that Paul had some kind of an infirmity. We're not sure exactly what it was, but, but he had an infirmity, an illness, or something that, that wasn't very... Uh, well, it was, it, it was debilitating to him in some way. Many think that it had something to do with his eyesight. And so here he writes this, and, and we're not certain on this, so there's some speculation that, uh, first of all, he's showing us how, how important this was to him. He's saying, look, I didn't use a scribe. I, I didn't use someone else to pin these words that I usually do. I am writing these to you personally. This letter is from me, and I'm not dictating it, but I'm taking the time, and in my struggle, I am going to write these things to you, and I'm writing these in very large words, whether he's writing them in large words because he can't see very good, so they want to, he's got to write them big so that he can see, or whether he's writing them in large words so that they can understand, this is vital that you listen to me. Either way we see that Paul was emphasizing the importance of this, a subject that was very dear to him. And, and look, he spent his life, after he trusted Christ as his Savior, he spent his life telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells us that finally God told him when he was there and towards the end of the book of Acts and getting closer to the end of his ministry, and God said that, Paul... I'm going to use you to be a witness to me in Rome. So fear not what they're going to do to you in Jerusalem. And he goes into Jerusalem, and they're, 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 they want to kill him. I mean, they want to take him out. They're, they're done with him. And, and uh, it was finally at that point where Paul tells them, he says, look, I, I, I need to go in front of Caesar. Because he knew that in this trial that they left the option up to him do you want to go to Jerusalem? Do you want to go in front of the religious leaders? And, and he said, no, I don't. I want to go to Caesar. And that's why he was taken to Rome. Do you know it tells us that while he was in Rome that, that many of the very household of Caesar was saved? The power of the gospel. And so we see that his willingness to go, and, to, and then he, we know that ultimately he did die when Nero took over and and Nero had him killed, and we know that he lost his head because of that. But here we see that the emphasis of this, his heart was, was to see those Jews get out of this bondage. They're, they're, he's telling them, look, if, if you are thinking that your salvation is by these works, then you are bound by chains, and 
you are bound still by sin because your works are never going to give you the freedom that Jesus Christ can give you, and, and you need to get away from that. And, and here he is, he's telling them in Galatia, he said, look, you have that freedom. Don't go back to being bound up again, but live in the freedom that God has given you and keep that and fight for that. Well, and so we see the, the uh, emphasis that he has, but then we see the emptiness of this legalism in verses 12 and 13. He says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. I, I, I know that I can get myself in trouble with some of this, but God says it and so be it. If people get upset, then they get upset. But here he's showing them, he's saying, look, those that are teaching that you must do in order to be saved, the reason that they are doing that, it will lead to this, where all they care about is making a fair show in the flesh. They want everybody to be able to see how good they are. They become very prideful in what they're doing. They become very arrogant in the issues that they're going on. Maybe they're very insecure in what they're doing, but whatever it is, here we see that, that one of the issues that they have then, those that are saying that you must do all of these things in order to be saved, they are doing this to make a fair show to look good in the flesh. As long as I look good on the outside, I must be good, and all things are good. Look, something we all need to understand, sin needs to be dealt with, and God gives us some options in that. First of all, all of our sin needs to be dealt with at one, one time, and that can be at the cross of Calvary. And I pray that everyone here has dealt with their sin issue at the cross of Calvary. And if you have called upon Christ to be your Savior and forgive you of your sins, and you are sincere in your heart and place your faith in Him to be your Savior, He saved you at that very moment. And your sin has been dealt with. Praise the Lord for that. Does it mean that we will stop sinning? No. For all of sin. And have sin, are sinning, and will continue to sin and come short of the glory of God. And so then it shows us that as believers then, that we then have two options. First of all, our sins are forgiven on the cross, and so our salvation has been dealt with. But this life and God's blessings upon our lives are determined by what we do with our sin. When we sin, we need to confess our sin to God. And He will he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. As moment that we sin and God is convicting our heart that we have done this and said this or thought this or acted this way and, 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 and is showing us and convicting us, then we confess it to God. Or you continue to live in your sin. You continue to have God's hand upon your life. You continue to fight against the, 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 the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you be like David where he said that his servants couldn't sleep at night because of his moaning and the aches that were going on in his body until he finally got right with God. So get right with God. If you're a believer today and there's sin that needs to be dealt with, deal with it. Deal with it today. If you're unsaved, you need to understand if you don't deal with your sin at Calvary, you will deal with your sin at the great white throne judgment. There is a judgment coming. You're far better off to deal with it today and have eternal life than to meet him at the great white throne. You don't want to be there. And so we need to understand that, that our, our works are never going to get us anywhere and as a matter of fact, all it does is lead to this point where you make a fair show in the flesh and, and, and uh, it is accomplishing nothing. Remember what he said over in Matthew chapter 15. In uh, Matthew 15, he was describing these guys, the, the, the Jewish leaders, and says in verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. That's kind of rough, isn't it? Jesus himself called someone a hypocrite. He took a cat of nine tails and chased them out of the out of the temple too and uh so tell your pacifists i don't know anyway tell them to build a whip <clears throat> this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me 
but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Oh, you see, they with their mouth they honor him, with their lips he uh, is, is honoring them, but with their heart, nothing. Nothing from their heart. And I love what, what the, the disciples said in, in the beginning of Acts chapter 5, and, and, and uh, you go through the, the book of Acts, and we see here at the beginning of the church, and these men who at one time had ran from from the crucifixion and were hiding and now they came back and they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God and they're preaching and they're teaching the gospel of Christ and there are those that are telling them that, hey, you need to, you need to quit preaching these things. You need to quit telling us these things. And, 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 uh, and, and then they tell them that, look, you need to quit this because you're bringing, as it says in, in verse 28 of Acts 5, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And, and how dare you say that we're guilty of anything? We ought to be able to do that which is right in our own eyes. And here you are telling us that it's wrong. That is where we're getting to in our country. That is where we're getting to in the, in the, in the time of the judges where men did that which was right in their own eyes. And you can't judge me for what I'm doing. My own accountability is different than yours. No, it's not. You will deal with sin. You either need to deal with it now or you're going to deal with it later. But as a church family and as a church body that is honoring and pleasing God, we need to deal with sin now. And so we confront it. And the world is going to say, hey, don't be bringing this man's blood upon us. We're going to do what we feel is right in our own eyes. Well, it can't be. What made our country great was the power of the pulpits for so many years. And we need to get back to that. We need to have men like the character of these. This was the statement. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Hey, I don't want to hear that. Don't be putting that blood on our hands. You did it. You hanged him on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand. We, can, we have politicians today that say, oh, we can, we can shake our fists at God and, and, and we can mock those that want to worship God and we can tell those churches that are truly going to preach the gospel that no longer are they going to be able to do that and, 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 and we can continue to do those kinds of things and, and we're going to do whatever it is that we want and, and set themselves up as, as God themselves. But here we need to understand that Him hath God exalted with His right hand. Jesus is the only one that is exalted in this world. Jesus is the only one that will ever be exalted in this world. And there will be a day when this entire world, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, I'm telling you that if you don't know Him as your Savior, then today is the day where you can get on your knees and you can humbly bow to our God, the Creator of the universe, the one that is going to bring everybody into judgment. And you can go to Him now and you can humble your heart and He can take away the wrath that He's going to place upon you one day and give you eternal life. The love of our Savior, the only one that is exalted in those characters in D.C., in those characters in Denver, in those characters in our own county that want to stand up and exalt themselves, one day there will be a, there will be a horrible price to pay. And I thank God that Jesus Christ has paid that price. And all of us can come to Him humbly and know that our salvation is not based upon our good works. <laughs> what are they? What are our good works in comparison to perfection? What are our good works in comparison to God who owes us nothing, who is perfect in every way, was nailed to a cross for our sins? Oh, our works are absolutely nothing but filthy rags. And here he says, he continues, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey Him. We don't care if your conscience is bothered. We don't care that you are offended by us telling you that 
You are responsible. Your sins drove him to the cross, just like mine. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. Legalism robs the power of the cross. Legalism robs away the importance of Christ dying upon that cross. And you see, it brings them to a focus on their own works because he says, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, so that's hypocrisy, they constrain you to be circumcised. And so that was, the, that was the work that they said, you must do this in order to be saved. They even had that discussion back in Acts chapter 15. That was about the same time period as Galatians dealing with this. But all of, all of that area up in that is having the same situation. Jerusalem is having this issue and some other places. And so Paul in Acts 15, Paul and the men go into Jerusalem and they have a meeting with all of the disciples. And they say, hey, this is what's being taught, that you must do this in order to be saved. And, and then they go through the testimony. They go through what God has shown them. They go through the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, and uh, I, I love what, what the statement is made by, by Peter. And this is what he says. And he says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? No one has ever been able to keep the law and be saved. Jesus Christ is the only one who kept the law, and that's because He was God. He is God. But then he makes this statement, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. I've had some hard times in my own thoughts in, in how, to, how, to, how to make these things go together as a, as a believer and being a peacemaker and, and, and as a believer you know, having a humble heart, and as a believer, turning the other cheek. But we ought to be willing to die for the right to tell people what Peter just said in Acts 15, verse 11, that salvation comes through Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to die to keep that right to preach that gospel. We ought to be able to do that. And as a patriot, we ought to be able to protect this country so that this country will always be able to do that. And it doesn't matter what the politicians say, doesn't matter what they do, we will stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we will be a patriot to this country. Thank God that we have the rights that we have. Thank God that, and, and so you see that, that this, this battle that we have of losing our freedom in this country, it is also a spiritual battle. There are always those that are trying to come in and rob you of the freedom that you have in serving Christ freely through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they constrain you, they urge you, they force you to do exactly what they believe. Well, you fight for the freedom that we have in Christ. And then he says, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. You know why they do it? Because they're afraid that if you don't convert and follow them, that their leaders will persecute them. They're afraid. Also, we understand that as we preach the cross, and we show to people that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And the only way that you're ever going to have salvation is through Jesus. And, and you need to look to Him. Those that think that they are good enough to get there on their own are offended. Their pride is offended. They become angry in you telling them that, that you're a sinner. They become angry in you saying that, that the blood of Christ is upon their hands and that they need to repent and they need to come to Him and trust Him. And then pretty soon, instead of, and they want to lash out at God, but they can't seek God because God is in heaven today and cannot be touched by the, the uncleanness of our hands today who is righteous and holy and, and set apart in all ways. And so what do they do then? They go after that one that represents Him. So they persecute you. And what do we do? But we stand for the truth of God's Word. There are those that are going to come into the church 
They're going to try to rob you of the joy that you can have in your salvation by, by telling you to read some stupid book or, or go watch some guy on TV or, or look this guy up on the internet and, and see the things. He's totally different than what you're hearing here. Well, get away from that junk and protect your freedom that you have in Christ. That's what he's telling them. He says, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. Oh, the hypocrisy in a work salvation. Whenever you start thinking that you can do things to merit salvation, you are telling God, I am equal to you. Now, they might not think that way, they might have to give some thought to that statement, but that is exactly what they're doing. There has been one person walked perfectly on this earth, and it was God himself, manifest in his son, Jesus Christ. Only one that could ever go to heaven based on his perfection. Anyone, anyone who says that you're going to get to heaven based upon your works are setting themselves up to be God. They do. Think about it. Think about the Mormon religion. The Mormon religion is a totally works-based salvation. Whenever you have a totally works salvation, it doesn't matter who Jesus is. Jesus is just another created God, just like we are. That's what they say. And that we will actually become in heaven like Jesus. We'll be a God just like Jesus, but God is a small God in comparison to God Almighty. Jesus is a small God. So we'll be a small God like Jesus. really doesn't matter because everything is based upon their works. Oh, they'll tell you that, hey, Jesus is my Savior. No, he's not. Not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible has done all the work. Jesus of the Bible died on the cross for your sins. They will never tell you that. They will never tell you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world. They'll tell you that Jesus is your Savior. Explain that, please. Then you'll find out, wow, he's not the Jesus that I hear in the, the Bible at all. It goes on and on. People make all kinds of things their God when it's work salvation. And our salvation is predicated totally upon Jesus Christ being God and dying on the cross for our sins and giving us eternal life for those who call and trust upon him. We stand and we fight for that. There are those that we're trying to convince them. And here he says, here you are. They're trying to tell you to do that, and they can't keep the law themselves. The hypocrisy in it. But then we go further. And so we see that in this, we see the emptiness of legalism. We see that they feared God more than man, and that is exactly what they would do. We see that the flesh and grace are separated by the cross. Saw that in verse 12. Verse 13, we see that, that uh, their following was built on pride. It says because of, of what they were doing, they, they can't do these things, and they just want to in your flesh and, and you following them and they wanted this great following and so they don't want to preach the gospel and, and that is what some of our churches have gotten to today. Not all of them. I, I believe the, the church where uh, Thane and Kareth go is what you would call a mega church but, but it's a church that is following the teachings of Christ. I believe there are other big churches like that are doing that, but then there are some of those mega churches that this is exactly what they're doing. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not telling people the truth. And their, their pastor gets up there and he, and he acts like he's some great famous rock star. And the first thing that he needs to do is get down on his knees and, and beg for forgiveness and ask Jesus Christ to be his Savior. And then secondly, to represent him in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God and understanding that God could wipe any of us out and God doesn't need any of us to do anything. It's only in his grace and the singing needs to be used to bring honor and glory to our God, not to the singer, not even to the listener. It's to bring honor and glory to God. And so we have this great following and people think that this great following is a, 
is a sign of, of, of blessings of God, and God's never even mentioned. <laughs> Just out of an illustration. You have those that call themselves church, and God is never mentioned. You watch a democratic debate, not one American flag was flown. We have, we have those that are campaigning in other countries for the next presidential election. Makes sense, doesn't it? Not really. It's all the same, isn't it? Everybody's losing their identity. Our country loses its identity. Why does our country lose its identity? Because our churches have lost their identity. We need to understand that as a body of believers that we are set apart from the rest of the world. We need to be used for His holy purposes. So here he goes on. And so we see that their following was built on pride and then they'll do anything they can to keep it, but then we see a genuine salvation and I'll be done. Paul makes the statement. He says, but God forbid that I should glory. There is absolutely nothing that I ought to boast in save in the cross except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Sorry. No, I'm not even sorry. Those preachers that are multimillionaires, they're a joke. They're a joke. It is a joke to think that we base our blessings upon the value that the world thinks is valuable. Because here it shows us if we're going to boast in anything, we're going to boast in the cross of Christ. And as I give thought to the cross of Christ, I hate the things of the world. I don't want anything to do with the things of the world. That's what Paul said. And he goes on in 2 Timothy. He tells us in Philippians, he says there in both of those places, he said, look, I had it all. I had all the power. I had the, money, the wealth. I had the, the prestige of the position. I had all of those things. And you remember what he said? I count them but dung for the cause of Christ. So here he says that truly if we boast in the cross, the things of the world will fall aside. And they won't be the drive that they used to be. And we don't have to care about the things of the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, the world's not going to matter. Why? What he says, but a new creature. You're a new creature. Look, there, there are some of us, and I get caught up in this just like everybody else. I get feet of clay. I, I might have test-driven a new truck yesterday. <laughs> and I thought I made it, but be sure your sins will find you out. I run into Rory. Yeah? I thought I'd gotten away with it. You know? And... Look, I, I, I do understand. I understand the, the, the pull that, that the, we're in it every day. We're in that battle every day. But I have found that when we keep our eyes on, on Christ, we keep our eyes on boasting on only on the cross and what God has done for us, those things are minimal. You know, if God gives you something like that, then praise the Lord you have it, but don't fall in love with it because tomorrow you could run into a telephone pole with it. Oh. Or, yeah, or I remember a nice truck one time, so proud of that thing, had it parked in the driveway, and thing come buzzing down the driveway on his bicycle. Man, he was just whipping there because we had some friends pulling in behind him, and so he was racing them, you know, and trying, and, and the thing about it is he come around the corner, and he forgot how to stop, bam, right in the side of the truck. And, and he, even as a kid, he was kind of a big kid, and left pretty much a big dent in the side of the truck. Huh? And I just left it there because it's a good reminder. 
You know, you can think those things are all so nice, and then bam, there it is. God used him on two different occasions to do that. Remember my cream-colored Dodge that I really liked? We were helping a guy move, and Dustin was there, and laughed. The compassion that he didn't show. And Thane decided he needed to throw that bike in the, in the back of my truck, and he picks that bike up, and he's standing beside the truck, and he throws it, and bam, right into the side of the truck. And there's a nice big dent. He looks at it, looks at me, puts the bike in the truck. Dustin's laughing, almost sick. You know, it's just a reminder. Don't fall in love with those things. And, and so, and here, the, the important thing is a new creature, a new creature. We ought to be different. We are different. If we have Christ as our Savior, we're different. We are. And then he says, and as many as walk according to this rule. The rule is that you're a new creature. You don't become a new creature by your works. You become a new creature by trusting Christ as your Savior. And then he gives you an entire new motivation. And then you do have different works. But they're all brought about by what's going on in your heart. And it's different. And Christ is your Savior. And when you walk according to this rule, peace be on them. Look, we, we have too many pansies in our churches today and how mean and honorary this is. But you see what he's saying here? This is exclusionary. He says, those that walk according to this rule, peace be on them. I'm not talking about those that are trying to rob you of your freedom. I don't want them to have peace. They don't need the peace. They need to get right with God. It's very exclusionary. Those that are a new creature in Christ, peace be on them. And it isn't the worthless, good-for-nothing peace of the world. That, there's nothing peaceful about that at all. You know, I get sick of that. Even J.C. Penney's now has that, those shirts with the peace sign on it. And all, there, there is nothing peaceful about this world whatsoever. There was nothing peaceful about Woodstock. There's nothing peaceful about what our world has today, but there is a peace that God can give, and he gives it to those that are a new creature. And mercy. Boy, shouldn't we be thankful for that? <laughs> thankful for his mercy. Be upon and upon the Israel of God. Exclusionary again. It's the Israel that's of God. It's those Jews that have trusted Christ as their Savior. It's those Jews that have realized that all those works that were given them so many uh, 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 thousands of years ago were there to show them that there was a Messiah that would give them a peace. And they trust in that Messiah. And so then we see his conclusion, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I have the brand of Jesus. I don't do the works of the Jews. I don't go into the synagogue and worship as they do. I no longer have to, to, to uh, uh, do the, the sacrifices. I don't have to go to the priest in order for God to hear my prayers. I can go directly to Jesus Christ because he, I can go directly to God through Jesus Christ who is making intercession for me, who has been that perfect sacrifice for my sins, and I bear upon myself that mark and do not waste my time in telling me that I need to go back into the Jewish law to have salvation. I have salvation, and it's through Jesus Christ, and stop harassing me and stop telling me otherwise. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The peace that God wants us to have comes by totally recognizing that he did the work on the cross of Calvary. And I call upon him and I trust him as my Savior. And as I trust him as my Savior, he makes me a new creature in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Because of that, 
I have the freedom to serve him and live for him. And I protect that freedom with my very life, even as Paul, and willing to die to keep that freedom. God bless America, but God bless those that realize we have nothing without our Savior. But with him, we have everything. 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 And we praise him. Do you know him as your Savior? I pray you that you do. I, 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 don't, don't be like the guys that who, who said that they made glory in your flesh, that they were afraid of what the other, they wanted to make a fair show in the flesh. Don't walk out of here in your pride thinking, well, what are they going to think about me if I trust Jesus as my Savior today? Doesn't matter, does it? I can guarantee you that those that are a new creature in Christ will celebrate with you. And if you walk out of here in your pride, the only one that celebrates is Satan and his demons. Trust him as your Savior. And then, Christian, have you dealt with your sin? Now, I know you dealt with it on the cross of Calvary, but what about the daily walk? What about the dust that you need to get off your shoes? What about those things that were hindering you this morning? You know, just like we were, we were talking, we need, to, we need to write some parody about what, what the devil does to our kids on a Sunday morning before we get to church. You know, maybe you, you were, it was like World War III coming down the driveway. And then you get here and you park and you get out with a big smile on your face. You know, maybe there's some dust you just need to wipe off. You need to get some things right with God. Deal with it today and then walk with him and have the peace and the mercy and the grace that God wants you to have. That is who we bless. We bless our Savior. We bless our God for what he does for us, what he has done for us. And truly, we stand for that. That is what makes America great. As long as we stand in the pulpit and say, thus saith the Lord, we'll see God's blessings on our lives. We'll face whatever the, the problems may be. And we'll see God standing on that one day and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The applause of one is all that matters. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in Christ. Lord, I pray you search the hearts of each one who's here today. God, do a work. Whatever decisions need to be made, that, Lord, you will be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.